2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we get ready to roll, bloody to talk here. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic will be with us 20 minutes away in Hour 2. The good doctor from Chicago with Hale Varsity, Derek Peterson. Dr. Petey, he's all settled and uh, set up in uh, the Windy City. And got to see him at Big Ten Media Days. That was awesome. So, uh, truth be told, uh, we were roomies, and he had his setup of Air Jordans, which were really cool. That he wore it uh, in Media Days, and and I made sure I didn't shake the room in uh, in this new hotel we were in, just right across from uh, from Lucas Oil, with my snoring. I tend to, to freight train it, uh, just, just a touch. So Derek Peterson's with us. You can ask him, Elijah, if uh, there was thought to use a pillow on me. <laughs> I've thought about it. That's <laughs> why <while> you're awake. <laughs> and, 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 and we've never even, like, uh, been roommates before. Yeah, thank God. But just, just the normal wear and tear of a Monday through Saturday. You said, you know... I bet you money his wife had give me the garage code, right? Well, it's you made fun of the error at first in the
0: slavery softball game just one time. So you're, you're you were really ticked
2: off about no. that yesterday. <laughs> no. I didn't take the picture. <laughs> I didn't put it on social media. I didn't even retweet it. I just sent it to you. It's all right. Um, so Derek Peterson's with us in an hour. And then uh, Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski going to join us. Uh, some more thoughts on Kind of his neck of the woods, Clemson and, and the ACC and Clemson coming out yesterday, well, later in the evening, about saying, no, we're not, we're not shopping.
0: I would just like to add really fast, I was just thinking here while you were previewing the show, after that, that little bit we just had right there, if any of us were to, either one of us were to, you know, uh, pass away in mysterious circumstances, mm-hmm. we would each now be at the top of the police's list of, of suspects. After Just uh, the amount uh, of time? Just no, just uh, after saying I've thought about smothering you with a pillow while oh, you're awake and I see. And yeah, I yeah, see. Okay, yeah. well.
2: Yeah, just burn this tape. <laughs> we're <laughs> just, not posting this one. <laughs> no, <we're, laughs> it's pay-per-view only and you must uh or pay-per-listen only and you must sign something. We'll spend a little bit of time on the NBA uh just because of what LA is doing. Thoughts on the Big 12 as they warn about <laughs> you want to talk cord cutting. <laughs> oh, geez. The uh, the Big 12 and their lost TV revenue. And, you know, are they just friends? Are they dating? What's the deal here between the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12? But our friends, uh, the part of the Herd At Media family, uh, and uh, they do a just a hell of a job with their podcasts. Good folks. And we will run into them from time to time at a brewery. I think we were at Kincator last fall. But uh, the uh, the big red cast, go big red cast, put out a question, good response on it. And let's dive into this and let's spend some time on, you know, the first six. Right. We're getting to that point where it will be prediction time. Now, I'm going to I'm not going to make a decision till I have to. I'm going to wait for for a few more weeks of fall camp. And I know they're limited weeks. As we get closer to week zero with Nebraska and Illinois. But I, I need to to see that there's zero injuries. Okay. Before I make my prediction. Not that that's a, a, a thing you can control in season. But you know what you got to to work with right before kickoff at 11 at Illinois. We're on the road for that road show for week zero with Hale City Radio Friday and Saturday. So listen six games illinois fordham buffalo ou sparty northwestern and then to follow is michigan and let's let's just you're going to run into that husker fan there's fewer of them that say give me 6 and 0 oh. you're going to run into that husker fan that's like 5 and 1 and then you're going to run into a multitude that say brother it all depends on that opener against mm-hmm. illinois for what happens the other five what should be what is what's likely what's what's excessive so that's what we're trying to pinpoint here is you know what's likely i think it's likely nebraska comes out focused, comes out hungry, comes out ready, comes out, dare I say, polished. No Kool-Aid here. Uh, and I know words are words, actions are actions, but I just, I think they'll go play well, and I think they'll beat Illinois. Again, three weeks, no injuries. We're not seeing what's going on, but I, I, like, I like what I'm hearing at least right that's what i have to go on i like the experience i like what is potential at quarterback right and and i know what 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 past history has been don't get too up or too hyped up or too much buy-in because you're going this team will, will rip the rug out from under you and i you know historically speaking yeah they've they, they've under delivered they've underachieved and to a man they'll look you in the eye and say that doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. Doesn't mean it can't be that way with so many super seniors and four-year veterans coming back. Um, they realize it's go time. And I think there's, I don't know, dare I say, a little bit more focus this season from from the head man on down. Not that they're not focused, but I think there's urgency is the best way to put it. Fordham, W. Buffalo, W. Oklahoma, uh, loss. Loss. My, my thing is, is Sparty and Northwestern. Northwestern's always a dogfight. It's always tight. It's always close. And it's a hell of a lot better going into that game on a win than a loss. So I'm anxious to see what type of response you get if you get beat by 30 or 13 or 3 by Oklahoma. How competitive are you in Oklahoma? A, Illinois Elijah's the tone setter. Oklahoma's the measuring stick. How competitive are you against college football playoff team, potentially? How do you take that game? Do you show up and fight and, and trade punches and just get beat by better talent? Do you have more of a, a full game than a half like you did a year ago against Ohio State? Because I think that's what you're looking for against Oklahoma, isn't it? You're looking for more of a, a, a put-together performance. Uh, and And finish to the half, certainly, because you were you were in that Ohio State game a year ago for the first half until the final three minutes. By God, you had a lead <laughs> you had a lead and and you had a tie, and then they scored ten straight, turnovers helping with some of that ten, and then no pressure on fields right back to yesterday 's discussion about getting after the quarterback now, Illinois sets the tone because you can lose to Illinois and still beat Fordham and go beat Buffalo but then you know through your first six you could be two and four you've got it you've got to get to and through Northwestern minimum minimum four and two period now it's not easy to to pull out of a tailspin early in the year you can get better you can get better as a football team I believe that And I think the Michigan State game is going to be a big response opportunity. Sorry, just not giving your money or my money on Nebraska to go beat Oklahoma. Crazier things, yes, but I just... Beat Oklahoma in Norman. Right. With where they've been. That'd be really cool if they did. But no, Illinois is your tone setter. uh, And uh, Sparty is your chance to, to, I guess crawl up off the mat, assuming you get knocked out by OU. Four and two minimum, I'm saying five and one, possible. Anything's possible. Thank you, Kevin Garnett. But five and one, I think is, I'm going to go from possible to doable. Am I crazy? I'm going to say that... Too optimistic?
0: My my. I don't want to say, even say best case scenario because I can see a scenario in my head where Nebraska gets to five and one, though I find that extremely unlikely. Four and two seems like the one that makes sense to me. Uh, I look at the matchup against Illinois, first year head coach. And I know all the returning experience, uh, but you still got to think Nebraska in year four under Scott Frost. You have some continuity. You're able to start at a further place than Illinois is able to start in the exact same amount of period of time.
2: You don't lose that game Mm-mm. in year four. Mm-mm. You don't lose that game because it it opens up two doors of doubt and a flood.
0: I don't think Nebraska looks convincing in that win. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of fans want. There's going to be some, some instances of Nebraska shooting themselves in the foot. And I think Nebraska is still going to pull it out with a three-point win, a six-point win. A win nonetheless. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. Fordham and Buffalo, I don't want to overlook, but I'm going to overlook a little bit here. You'll win. Uh, I'll look at those games once we are to those games. Mm-hmm. But for now, uh, there's more important games for me as a media member to be looking at. So Fordham and Buffalo, I'll chalk that up as a 3-0 and start for Nebraska. Sure. Oklahoma, I think you look good against Oklahoma. I think you look better against Oklahoma than you did against Ohio State last year. I think this Nebraska team has gotten better. And I personally don't think that Oklahoma is better than that Ohio State team simply because I don't think Spencer Rattler is as good as Justin Fields. In in, in the world of college football, you're really only as good as your quarterback is. Uh, You can be great all around your quarterback, but if you have a liability at quarterback, you're not going to be in the college football playoff as long as it's still four teams. I
2: I think he's really good. Rattler's super, super talented. He's nowhere near polished or as poised at this point in his career, in my humble opinion, as what Fields was coming off of a college football playoff job, job. Uh, against Clemson. And this has some hindsight bias because, I mean, again, we got to see
0: Justin Fields in the, the championship games last year. Uh, we got to see uh, him in Bears camp, and all reports out of Bears camp sound like Justin Fields has been like a massive really improvement over Mitchell Trubisky. Sounds like he's been really good at that starting quarterback spot. And I just really don't think Spencer Rattler, uh, after seeing what I saw last year, is going to make enough of a jump to, to be as good as Justin Fields. So, I mean, when I look at that Ohio State game last year, I think Nebraska was – competing with Ohio State at all position groups aside from quarterback and wide receiver. Justin Fields tore apart Nebraska, and and Ohio State's wide receivers tore apart Nebraska. And I I think, I mean, Nebraska was closer than the final score would indicate to that Ohio State team last year, uh, despite, I mean, Nebraska didn't look great last year. But I, I think whenever they were fired up, ready to go, had some momentum going into the season. I think that they uh, they played that Ohio State team tough despite the final score. And I think it's a, a similar thing for Oklahoma. They're going to play them tight. Uh, I don't think they pull out the win, but I think they're going to look better than you'd mm-hmm. expect in a loss. And then uh, when I look at Michigan State and Northwestern, I see that as a one in one type thing. Nebraska's got the potential to go 2-0 and through there. Um, but based on what I've seen the past three years from, from this Nebraska team, I'm expecting one of those to be a, a disappointing loss, not a, an embarrassing loss, but one of those – uh, games where you're you're watching on your TV and you kind of want to throw your TV at the mm. TV screen just because it's it's disappointing as a Nebraska fan to watch them have a performance. I'm not sure which team that comes up against. And I think you you get a win in the other game, so I, I take four and two, three and three minimum, five and one best case scenario. But I think four and two is much more likely than three and three or five and five, you, five and one.
2: You are out talenting everybody through these first six games, aside from Oklahoma. I'd agree. So that is why I think five and one is it should be in the discussion. We'll get Mitch Sherman's take on that as we kind of look at the first six games in the regular season. Again, shout out to uh the Go Big Redcast folks with their uh their Twitter question on this. So, if I'm betting, I think 4 and 2 is is needed. Uh I think 5 and 1 also should be should be there. I don't think I don't think you go to Michigan State and in drop it no matter what happens against Oklahoma. Blowout. If you lose on a last second field go to Nor- in Norman, let's just let's walk that hypothetical for a second. You can have emotionally draining losses. That's one thing we don't know about this team. We know with with their their experience, we know that the veteran people there, there's been a lot of games, there's been a lot of crazy losses. They've had some real heartbreakers, right? So they they've experienced those the bounce back can go either way do you get up off the mat and take it out on the next opponent or do you wallow does that this does, does a tough tight loss beat you twice and that happens in college football it's happened to this nebraska team in the past 3 years it has and you've not you've not won more than 3 two games consecutively you haven't put a 3 game win streak together you haven't put a 4 game win streak together but you're you're Momentum, your your launching point, your tone setter for sure, Illinois. Your measuring stick is Oklahoma. And then your moxie, right? What are you made of? What are you mentally? We've talked a lot about mental toughness with this football team. You know, your mental toughness is tested for sure on the road the following weekend at Michigan State. And then the the mother of all teams that makes you screw up or waits for you to screw up is Northwestern, and they do that to everybody and they're really good at it. So there we go.
0: I'm not going to act like Nebraska isn't going to have those those same mistakes they've made over the past three years. They're not. They're going to have those in games one through six. I just think when I look at the teams across the board in weeks one through six, you have a much better chance of being able to recover from those mistakes as opposed to in weeks seven through 12.
2: Your margin for error, absolutely mm-hmm. right on uh, when it comes to, to level of opponent. Not that we're making out Nebraska to be like a playoff contender. We're talking about Nebraska as somebody that should find their way to the postseason. And to find their way to the postseason, they better they better go four or five and you know four and two, five and one uh in those first six. But they're at the point right now, year four, four-year quarterback, good offensive line. You figure they'll find somebody at running back, a bunch of skilled guys. It'll take a while for the offense to gel. I mean, they they shouldn't or it shouldn't be expected that they absolutely hit the ground running like they've been in the offense altogether for three years. No, they're not they're not similar to the defensive side of the ball, where they've all been together and they've kind of been building together. We'll get Mitch Sherman's take on things, uh, get his thoughts also with the, the Big 12 and Pac-12. See how San Diego treated Mr. Mitch, Rick Kaczynski next hour, Dr. Pete, Derek Peterson in the 5 o'clock hour. It's Hale, City on a Tuesday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: And we're back. Fellas, oh, Listen to the radio, On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time on a Tuesday. Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to Mitch Sherman, who's back. Uh, Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. Find him on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, how was San Diego? It's an incredible part of the country. How are you, man?
3: It's good to be back in Nebraska. After a week in America's finest city, and I, you know, I say that only because it's the name, it's the uh, you know the the, the, the the slogan for San Diego. But to me, I'm in America's finest state. So, uh, no, it's it's uh, it's good to be home. Good to be back at at preseason camp on Monday, and looking forward to tomorrow morning and watching uh, some stretching and special teams drills.
2: That's right. The emphasis is on special teams, Mitch, for this year, and, and that's what's uh, going to start off practice. So I want to go back to, to your story with the athletic, and, and you kind of recapped yesterday's post-practice. And, you know, what, what does a successful season look like for Garrett Nelson?
3: Um, I think it involves more um, getting to the quarterback, more disruptive plays, For two years, I would say his primary value on defense has been to be a guy who generates a lot of energy. And when he's out there, you know, from absolutely as a true freshman, he benefited Nebraska defensively, and I would even say in other areas of the game with the 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 zest and the, the. the hype, the emotion that he brought to the field. Garrett is, is, is old school in his enthusiasm and he patterns himself after the guys who played before he was born and wore those black shirt jerseys. And you know, he's getting to work with one of those guys or, or work around one of those guys um, with Jason Peter now being involved uh, with the defensive line. You know, Garrett, does some work with the defensive line. He's 262 pounds now. He's kind of outgrowing that outside linebacker position. Um, he's more like a, a defensive end. And I think Nebraska's defense, as it evolves uh, with Eric Chenander and the work that, that that Tony Tuioti and Mike Dawson do together, it's it's you know it's a three-four in its base. But when you have outside linebackers like Garrett Nelson, you know Caleb Tanner played with his hands you know, you have young guys coming up in the program like Blaze Gunnarsson, who is just naturally a huge, a huge guy. Um, there are definitely some four or three tendencies in that defense. And if 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 Garrett uh, is effective this year, then, you know, I think he's going to look somewhat like uh, the old Nebraska outside linebacker Russian who got to the quarterback, um, you know, playing at the line of scrimmage, even though. Uh, you know, technically, Nebraska's running out of a out of 3-4. So, um, you know, he can go talk to Trev Albers about that because Trev was, uh, you know, the the original um, outside linebacker who uh, played like a defensive end in Lincoln.
2: I kind of, when we talk about weight and hand in the dirt, I think about Eric Martin, right? Think about Eric Martin. Right. And, right. you know, seven and a half, eight sacks his senior season. They put some weight on E. Martin, he was really nice coming off the edge. I mean, is that, is that a decent comparison, perhaps, uh, when it comes to what, what Garrett could do or, or his role, his, his specific role?
3: I, I mean, I, I think Garrett's bigger and more physical and stronger. Martin, in, when he did that, um, was just, he was faster than the guys he was going against. I mean, you would put him against an offensive tackle who outweighed him by 60 or 70 pounds, and you know, if if he got the first step, it was it was goodbye, and he was mm-hmm. in the backfield. So I don't. I mean, I, Garrett has the ability to do that and get around uh, an offensive tackle. You know, we haven't seen it with consistency yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, look at him. And you know, I saw Garrett a few weeks ago. Um, was was just in Lincoln and downtown, and Garrett was was I don't know out going to get some dinner, and I saw I I thought I thought I was looking at. You know, a nose tackle or something until I saw the face and realized that it was Garrett Nelson. And then, you know, seeing him up close yesterday and talking to him and, and asking him how much bigger he is than just a year ago. Now, I'm surprised it's only 10 pounds that he's gained from the time the season ended last year uh, until he weighed in at the start of preseason camp. He said he was at 252 uh, in December and 262 now. And I think some of that is, is, you know, breaking breaking his body down, getting rid of you know unwanted fat, and then building it back up with muscle. So, he got more than 10 pounds of, of added muscle. Um, he looks you know he looks big and and strong. Um, I mean, Eric Martin I think is a is a is a great analogy as far as um, you know what he can strive to do with his production. But I think he's a bigger, stronger, more physical guy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, you say Eric Martin, and the number one name that I think of on the roster that reminds me of Eric Martin right now is Feldarius Payne. Um, kind of mm-hmm. also in that same mold, and it sounds like he's been doing some work on his body this offseason as well uh, and, and has been learning the playbook. So do you think Feldarius could be the type of impact pass rusher Nebraska needs on defense this year?
3: Yeah, he's definitely a, an option. I mean, they're going to have to find somebody, and I think the more this defense evolves, um, you know, unless Nebraska is able to go and recruit that. Uh, you know, top 50 player in the country who's a traditional pass rusher from the defensive end spot, you know, the kind of guys who project as first-rounders, they're going to get it mostly from the outside linebacker spot, and they've they've recruited well there and and have continued to find guys who are outstanding athletes. I mean, you look at some of the players in in this last recruiting class, I think of like a Randolph Kapai, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and you can see Ernest Hausman in the next recruiting class. These are the guys who I think are going to grow into the pass rushers in Nebraska. I mean, there's the possibility with both of those guys and some of the other outside backers that they could end up playing inside backer. Um, I think Nebraska recruited them with the possibility to do both. But if they end up outside, I think that's where Nebraska's ultimately going to get the majority of its, its sacks from. And Payne, yeah, he fits that profile for sure as an outside linebacker. He, he didn't – you know, he was not healthy last year. He didn't know necessarily what he was doing as he ran the defense, and still he was effective at times. So I think with the you know and this was talked about in the spring, and then again yesterday when, when he did his interview and, and when Mike Dawson did that, you know with a with a year under his belt in this program, um, I, you know I, I think he's one of the guys on the defense that you can look to and say uh, that I, I expect to see a tremendous jump in in his his understanding and his production. And and maybe he will be that guy who is the pass rusher that Nebraska needs.
2: Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Find Mitch with The Athletic and can follow him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, uh, interested here as you look at the first six for Nebraska, the six games, road game, of course, at Illinois, road game at uh, Oklahoma, road game at Sparty, and then uh, you you Mm -hmm. end uh, that first stretch with Northwestern at home and Fordham and Buffalo dropped in there. You know what's what's a, a decent mark record-wise through that first six? Are you, you know, again three weeks till till kickoff? We don't know who's healthy, who's going to be hurt. Hopefully, nobody. Mm-hmm. If you're a Nebraska fan, what what's a good number? Four, five from a win total? Uh, what 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 does it need to be for Nebraska?
3: I think you set your sights on five, and you say you're ecstatic if if Nebraska's five and one halfway through the season. I mean it, it, it does it, it's that's that's great. That's getting really close to, to breaking that streak without a bowl. Um you feel great at that point about Nebraska's ability to play in the postseason. If you're at four, okay. Um, you know, have a good second half. If you're at three, that's where the trouble starts to come in. And I and I you know, I, I know in in no way does Nebraska look at that stretch in the first six weeks and expect that three and three is is is, a, is an option they they need to be four or five and obviously six would mean a win over oklahoma which is probably not where this nebraska program is at right now mm-hmm. but hey strange things happen every year in college football um I, I i you know i would i would probably put my money on four mm-hmm. but it's not out of the realm to be at to be a five and one there's there's not a game there that you can break down and say all right nebraska's gonna have a Nebraska' probably won't be an underdog you know d- depending on how things go um probably not going to be an underdog um and if it is an underdog, it won't be more than than a, a you know a three to six point underdog um against against northwestern or Michigan state and the others the other uh three you're going to see Nebraska as a favorite for sure
0: Now, I noticed you did not say six and oh mitch well what's with that
3: well yeah i, I said <laughs> i i Nebraska's not in a place. Where it can expect to go into Norman, Oklahoma, and win right now with, with where it's at as a program. Um, look, Oklahoma has slipped up in the past, and this is not like going to Clemson or going to Alabama necessarily, although Oklahoma is going to be ranked right there with those programs. I don't know that Oklahoma has the, the, the physical prowess across its 22 players on the same level that Ohio State, Clemson, or, or Alabama does. But the Sooners can win those games. They can win those games in the college football playoff because of how explosive their offense is. If, I wanna, if I'm going to play one of those four teams, and they're probably the four best programs in the country right now, if I'm going to play one of those four teams, especially in September, I'm taking Oklahoma. I mean, we've seen Oklahoma struggle in, in those environments. We've seen Oklahoma lose games in conference. In those environments, so why not? You know, Nebraska has just has not been the team for the last twenty years to pull off a win like that. Other teams have that have similar profiles to Nebraska or lesser profiles to Nebraska. Um, so why not? At some point, Nebraska has to win a game like that. Um, I don't expect it to be this year. I don't expect it to happen. I don't think there's much of a shot that Nebraska's six and zero halfway through the season. But you know, it's early August, and and you can always dream.
2: Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale of our city radio. Mitch, about a minute here. What's coming up from you on the athletics? What, what at the, uh, on the athletic? What can folks uh, be uh, be be looking for? Well,
3: we'll have some offensive focused stuff later this week. Um, in a reset camp and the priorities uh, a bit with Nebraska going to full pads on Thursday, and uh, you know that'll be that will be uh, mixed in with observations, whatever I can I can gather from the uh, 20 or 25 minutes that are open at the start of at the start of that half padded practice tomorrow morning.
2: That'll be good. Mitch, you take care. We'll see you tomorrow, bud. Okay. Thanks guys. Take care. There he is. Mitch Sherman with us from the athletic and can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. And he's not wrong. I mean, K state has drilled Oklahoma a couple of different times. Oklahoma is one of those. And they've done this over the years, not to get your hopes up or anything, But Oklahoma has been, like, the best 11-win squad for 100 years in a row. And they'll drop a game probably to Texas or their non-conference home-and-home. They were playing Ohio State or mix in WOW opponent, right, in Power 5. But they'll have that hiccup where Iowa State dings them. And that's not a knock on Campbell, but... An Iowa State team that's not near as good as this Iowa State team would upset OU or Colorado'd whack him back in the day on a field goal. Uh, we'll dive into some more college football and the NBA All Retirement team on the way.
1: Chime in 402 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com.
2: Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, plenty to dive into. Uh, Is Kansas on the Big Ten radar? What's the word out of Kansas City on that? We'll tell you in a moment. In uh, less than uh, 30 minutes, uh, Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson with us. Hail Varsity as he is now our Chicago correspondent. And uh, we'll also spend plenty of time with Rick Kaczynski a Tuesday with Kaz coming up. Things got flat out nasty in I have three degrees on my wall uh, land, okay, When we talk about the Texas legislature, the Texas president and and how well, just cutting it got yesterday when it comes to Texas, the Texas president. And members of the Texas was that Senate or Congress? Senate. Okay, the Texas Senate. So I don't know if if this gal and I, I lost my place here. What was her name? Oh, I don't uh Exactly. Uh, somebody who's pissed at Texas. I'll have it a moment. I no, have uh, it
0: right here. It is uh Lois Kokhorst.
2: Right. And and Lois is with the, the, the Texas state government. Mm-hmm. And, and then this is the president of Texas <laughs> answering questions about the departure. Enjoy this.
1: What's your athletic budget?
3: It's over 200 million. It's probably 220, 225 in that range.
1: Where does that put you in the U.S.?
3: Uh, depending on the, how you count, probably first.
1: And that's without a winning football team of late.
3: It's in, in spite of our, of spite of our football team. We, we've been winning, just not like we
1: like to win three and seven against the Horn frogs um so um maybe your fan base would rather lose to alabama than tcu so <laughs> uh,
2: that's jay hartzell who got uh hit on both sides of the cheek with a steel chair from the texas senate on realignment man that was nasty but well done my question and
0: while she came off the top rope for sure like that was just brutal um it was sweet
2: he said they are three and seven against tcu and and the uh, the the great perspirer but but my question is is she where does that put you in the
0: country he says first depending on how you count it how do you count your athletic budget in a different way that would put it like i'm that's completely unimportant to the topic but like how, how do you sidestep that question by saying, yeah, we have the biggest athletic department in the country,
2: depending on how you count it. Like, just count the dollars and cents. People answering questions and asking questions in that setting are marvelous. It's sidestepping mm-hmm. or creating. Oh, I've watched presidential debates. Yeah, I'm... I'm... <laughs> they, they, are, they are skilled with their words. Barry Switzer says no worries at all uh, this morning. On on OU and their transition to the SEC.
4: Every week, I've said it's going to be like playing Texas, and of course, Texas has been down some the last several years. But Texas has been is been the powerhouse on our schedule. I, I you know I I know that we know that we're going to have to have our best every weekend. There's no. You know that everyone has improved in this league. Used to be you know, there's no Kansas here. I promise you that right. there'll be no Kansas for us to play and and football. So we've got to bring our game every week, But. You know we know that, and our athletes know that. So we'll we'll be up to that. We you know we handled Florida, you know, met Florida, make all the excuses they want about well they didn't get the championship game or whatever. But uh, we kicked their butts pretty good, and uh, we went out and played well that night and uh, in the bowl game. But you know it, it's uh, we can compete with them. No one has competed with Alabama, and. Uh, that's the big dog, but we we can play with Georgia, we can play with Florida, lSU is down uh you know, they had that one big run, but they they've come back to earth, and um, so you know it, it it will be on the top tier, I promise you that
2: Barry's not wrong. they can win game in game out, but I think eleven and one or eleven and two may turn into nine and three. All right, for, for Oklahoma, but that'll be good enough in that league to get him into the playoff when you're expanding to 12.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, Let's be honest. A really good team in the Big Twelve is not necessarily a really good team in the SEC. Well, I it's, mean, we saw some pretty good Nebraska teams who were doing really well in the Big Twelve. Come right over to the Big Ten, and while they were still pretty good, uh, it didn't translate to any conference
2: championships. No, they were they were on the doorstep of it. But I'll say this: what's what's kept Oklahoma from advancing to uh, the college football final hasn't been their offense. It's the fact that okay, they score forty five against Georgia and allow forty seven. Mm. You know, is their defense going to get any better? That's always been their Achilles heel. I know the Grinch is down there, and he's pretty good. He's been everywhere. And we'll see if if what Dean Blevins was telling us last week, where OU's been oh-so-close to getting some of that SEC-level defensive talent, but they've been unable to close the deal. They're still recruiting top five, top ten great but they've they've missed out on some of those difference makers at linebacker or in the secondary. Now that they're in the SEC shortly, we'll see if they can land some of those commitments. So let's get to the topic of Kansas. Yeah, who just caught a massive stray from Barry Switzer in that one? There's no Kansases in the SEC. Well, and that and that's all due respect. It ain't oh uh, seven and, 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 and Fat Man ain't on the sideline anymore, right? It's not twelve and one KU. Mm-hmm. So you have reports or at least commentary from folks uh, that that are around the Big 12 and specifically um, around Kansas athletics. And this is Mike Vernon, uh, part of the in past work with the San Francisco Chronicle, the Kansan and also the Bleacher Report. He was on 610 sports down in Kansas City and you have the what i'm hearing slash message board talk out there that ku is 24 hours ago like not part of this discussion with the big 10 well things uh may be closer to that listen it'd be totally kevin warren to go get kansas but barry alvarez better say no great idea for basketball. I think Lance Leopold's awesome and I think he'll do well enough in Kansas to get out of Kansas and find a better job. But you you gain nothing and you divide up the the pie financially if if you just add to add, the Big 10 can't do it. I know Kansas qualifies academically And if we're talking 10 years ago with their football, baseball, excuse me, football, basketball, forgive me, combo, then let's talk about it. I mean, listen, if there's a way to get Kansas after you go get, assuming you want to add for way more money, some of those Pac-12 schools or we're talking Notre Dame. Sure. And and you can react uh, to to expansion with your own expansion but but right now you need to keep who you got happy and that's that's job number one of the big 10 and uh, big 10 commissioner you keep ohio state you keep michigan you keep penn state happy that's it for me. Yeah. Not, not. Let's talk about adding Kansas. Yeah, at the end of the day, Kansas isn't going to give you more TV revenue than you already no, have right now. No, and, and listen, I know Kansas City's a nice market. Part of Nebraska's brand appeal is because, you know, you can talk Omaha, you can talk Lincoln, you can talk nationally about Husker fans, but you've already got some viewership in Kansas City from Nebraska. I don't know if it's more than what Kansas would bring you, but I would like to think so. We'll wind down hour one next. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Derek Peterson's coming up, Hailvarcity.com and Magazine. Good to talk to the good doctor uh, from the Windy City. Get his take on some Husker football thoughts, some NBA, and all that good stuff. A Tuesday with Kaz on the way, Rick Kaczynski. Reminder, there's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver drunk, dr- driving drunk buzzed or high never acceptable law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before any more people are killed or injured if you're going to drive don't drink if you do drink it designate that sober driver or get a ride share get a ride do it now a DUI costs more than you think brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office what does Mello have left in the tank he joins the Lakers you have Russ Westbrook there with LeBron And, of course, Anthony Davis, all-name team, all-career stats team, uh, does it translate to making Greg Smith happy here uh, the next round of the NBA playoffs? I don't like Russ uh, as far as his game, his athleticism, yes, his shooting, no. LeBron is aging and still phenomenal. But Mello, I love Mello's game, how it's evolved where he's, he turned himself into a score and a three-point guy. But Mello's just such a liability defensively, right? I mean, he's always been kind of a volume scoring guy. And I'm quite frankly surprised. Name value, yes. But what's what's, what's his level of game? What can he give you night in, night out? Is he a sixth man? Is he a guy that's going to handle a, a role maybe that he doesn't earn? or that he can't earn to younger guys on that team. You had a lot of, of high-name, high, high high-level chefs in this kitchen here. Uh, to meet Carmelo Anthony is a great six-man for a team that's going to be the seven or
0: eight seed in the West, not a team that's trying to go for a title. I mean, look at this. Carmelo, 37 years old. LeBron's 36. Trevor Ariza is 36. Mark Gasol is 36. Dwight Howard is 35 and turning 36 uh, right at the start of the season. Uh, Wayne Ellington, who's on the roster, is 33. Kent Bazemore is 32. Russell Westbrook's 32. Like, that is just a retirement team right there. But M- M- These guys aren't going to play anywhere else in their careers. Carmelo isn't going to play anywhere after L.A. Mark Gasol has already said that this is going to be his last year. Uh, Russ, Trevor Ariza's has been renting
2: versus buying. I mean, think of the, the, the moves he's been making, man. Washington, Oklahoma City, Houston. I mean, it's been everywhere. It should be noted
0: that... Since this show has begun, uh, the Lakers also signed Kendrick Nunn, who is a a little bit younger and provides a a bit of a a three-point shooting threat, and that's what they got in Bazemore and Ariza. The question is, is just, can these old dudes defend anybody?
2: Well, well, no, is the answer. Unless they are just crafty, Saturday-Sunday morning pickup ball, Manu Ginobili type, and I don't see that. We're going to have to get Greg Smith's take on this next time we get recruiting recon. Because he seems, from what I'm seeing from his Twitter feed, he
0: seems excited by the the moves the Lakers are making. And while I, I don't think they're bad moves, I think they're going to get the Lakers a, a five seed in the playoffs, a six seed in the playoffs. I don't think it's enough to get, uh, I, I, I shouldn't bet against LeBron, but it doesn't seem like the type of roster that is going to be able to help a 36-year-old LeBron James make it to the NBA Finals again.
2: That's where they're at. I mean, they're just playing for, for rings. Not what can we do, or can we put this? Has Mello won a ring as kind of a tag along yet? He hasn't, has he? He has not. No, because I mean, Mello was special for a while. Then he went through his like can't, his, his tantrum period, and then he kind of fit in. I know he was in Portland. We'll see. We'll we'll talk to Greg this week. See if he's ordered the uh, the home and away Mello jersey. Derek Peterson's on the way. Get his thoughts on uh, Plutty. Hail Varsity Hour 2 on the way with, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, excited to spend some time with Rick Kaczynski. And APB is out for the good Dr. Derek Peterson. Dr. Petey from Hale Varsity. .com and Magazine, now part of our Chicago Bureau. We'll see if he uh, chimes in or not. If not, we'll just reschedule another time. So do you see these Athlon mentions
0: i'm i'm stuck between a conversation with you and trying to find Derek peterson see what he's well, up to we, but. I,
2: we texted him he can call back you got a voicemail to him right yes okay
0: so, so. Uh, uh just uh give me a, a brief synopsis i opened the article okay and haven't got a chance to dive deeply into it so give me give me a little synopsis here
2: well it isn't good it isn't great here's what the anonymous word is on Nebraska per Athlon quoting this anonymous source. I think it's time to start talking about the bigger picture here. I don't think anyone expects Scott Frost to be on the hot seat right now. No one is talking about 2021 as a messed win year for them. At least you don't hear that on the recruiting trail. But they're so far from wh- where they were expected to be. That's obvious. Got to start asking some serious questions. Why are you losing a star player to Kentucky? Your most talented offensive players are jumping ship, and it's because you put their film on, and and you can't find it. You can't find an identity. This is not me getting emotional. This is me about hacking up a fur ball. so forgive me. That sounded very dramatic. It's not my intention. People at home were thinking, like, man, this guy cares. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I do, but I don't. I'm just, I'm just telling you here what the anonymous guys in headsets are saying. Why are your top offensive dudes jumping ship? It's because you can't find an identity. This is not the UCF offense. It's not the Frosted Oregon offense. Adrian Martinez is a great athlete, but he's not going to blow you away as a pure thrower and his decision making isn't always that great. Th- those are those are some arrows and and they're true. They're from Big 10 coaches. Right now, they Can't claim to be a developer of NFL talent. A few years ago, they had 3D line at the scouting combine. And that was after a year that they couldn't stop anyone's running game. Uh, I described their defensive personnel as world beaters on the hoof. They looked the part before the game. They're not elite yet. But uh, they are their best But they had their best year last year, for sure, and they're going to play the run pretty well. Can we try to guess which coach that was that said that one? Who would say on the hoof like that? It's an older coach. It's a retired coach. Okay, is 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 my take? So, who's there? I mean, and, and listen, I'm not accusing. I'm saying who's who's locked into the Big Ten, and and is talking with Athlon. Is it Urban? Is it Stoopsie? Is it Uncle Jerry? I mean, I, I don't know.
0: Well, we haven't even gotten to the last one yet. The last one's the the one that's off the top rope, uh, especially for Coach Frost. It's something isn't matching up inside this program. They don't have a cohesive identity. There are issues related to talent, but the questions all lead straight to the head
2: coach. It's fair. It's it's fair, and it's... it's that, that sounds like Urban to me. Do <laughs> you think? Let's play musical chairs well, with well, who, who is it? Who is it that's that's blasting Nebraska? Urban
0: gets like straight to the point whenever he says anything on Fox. So that's why that one is just mm-hmm. straight to the point. Sounds like Urban Meyer to
2: me. Don't know, don't know. He's in the NFL, and these are he'd have been, you know, getting fined by the NFL when this interview would have happened, right? Is he going to spend time on Big Ten personnel? There's a lot of coaches out there, uh, but. Listen, you ask your question here. Why are players leaving? What are you identity-wise? What do you got at quarterback? What are you doing for Sundays? Are you developing NFL talent for Sundays? And is there, is there a disconnect, right? Is there a disconnect from player to coach? I'll say this, and Kent emailed in. I always appreciate Kent's uh, thoroughness. Kent says, Chris at HaleVarsity.com, I'm more disappointed I haven't seen the conference adjustment factor, especially offensively. It takes four years to recognize that a ball control league, as uh, as your defense gets uh, pummeled on the line for 12 to 14 play drives, you still try to score in three to six plays nearly every drive. And uh, your head coach is, tar- is too far removed to remember how he learned to play the game. Frustrating is an understatement. So that's uh, from Kent, chris at alevarsity.com. Now, I think here's what I think you need to see as we, we get back to this. You know, what's Nebraska going to look like through the, through the first six games? You couple that with Athlon Sports and, and the anonymous assessment of the program. Listen, you need to see a ball-control offense. You need to see an offense that runs the football. You need to see a quarterback that makes better throws. And if you're going to take a risk, be right with that risk. Make a big play with it. Don't turn it over on the wrong side of the 50. You can still see that in year four. And are guys buying what the head coach is selling, guys that have been on the team? Maybe, maybe not. You hope so, but you can play for other people, right? You can play for your position coach. You can play for your teammate. You can play for your defensive coordinator. We'll talk to Coach Kaz here in a little bit. John's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. John, thanks for calling. Go ahead. You bet.
5: What's up, fellas? Not much, hey, man. What do you know? Here, oh, not much. Here, Here's my take on it, and I might be old school, but... Any coach that goes anonymous and talks to the media, trash about another team, you're a straight coward. I hope none of our coaches do that.
2: Fair enough. I mean, put your name to it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And my take on the team, I coach high school football for quite a while. Those coaches know exactly what their weaknesses are uh, better than anybody else. But I really think – I really think we're going to have a, a a good team, and now it's a head game. I think it's: do the guys believe they can win? And when they get in those tight games, and we have some success, or anyway, it's all about whether we believe we can pull it off or not. Well, and, and
2: John, you're on the right. Money. You, no, you, you nailed it. You're right on the money, and they've got to have they've got to have something good happen early in the year to kind of reinforce that. Question mark, right? Give you an answer and make that exactly. answer yes. So that's why Illinois is going to be incredible because it could be a three-point game. It could be a ten. Listen, the Illinois has been both sides of the spectrum. You 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 won a shootout after being down fourteen points two years ago, right? And then right. you got just absolutely sledgehammered because you thought you'd roll your helmet out and win last year.
5: Now you're exactly right. You're exactly success early and confidence. Uh, you i think we have that you're going to see this team improve exponentially, and and they could be they could be dangerous. I really think they could.
2: They've they've got the ability to be. John, you take care, bud. Good phone call. Appreciate you jumping on four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Yeah, and
0: confidence. That's that's the key this year. That was the big problem last year, in my opinion. There was some talent on that field last year, and I think
2: there's more talent this year. Uh, the question is just can they can they pull it all together? I love the 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 part of the anonymous coach here that talks about. What they've got, and that's that's good against the run. They will be stout against the run, and you saw that last year, right? You saw that last year against Ohio State, against Iowa. You just need help from your offense, absolute help from your offense, where they need to answer. Let's go to the phones again and uh, get a word from Paul. Paul, thanks for calling. Go ahead.
6: Hey, guys, i uh, got to disagree with the last caller. I mean, if you want the straight stuff from these guys that know what they're talking about, you've got to give them the anonymity. Read it and analyze it for yourself. If mm-hmm. you think it's a bunch of crap, well, then just ignore it. If you think you've got some uh, kernels of truth, keep it in mind when you look at the next season.
2: Paul, question for you. What, what's your take? What's your assessment on, on this anonymous coach to Athlon? Do you think he's on the money with some points?
6: I have no idea. All I would say is that I am a loudmouth braggart who loves his Huskers like no other Husker fan in the entire State of the Union, including the territories. And I just want to tell you that, yeah, I think we got a good shot at getting to a decent bowl. Maybe, maybe come November, we might actually still be in contention. For the West
4: Crown,
2: that'd be nice. That'd be nice if you're a Nebraska fan, Paul. Thanks for the phone call. Sure. All right, there he is, Paul saying, "You know what, brother? <laughs> uh, that'd be that'd be great. How how fired up would would you be if you're a Nebraska football fan and it's you, it's Wisconsin, and it's Iowa, and it's a round robin? It's a, it's a battle royale. It's a steel cage match. It's a death match. Whatever you want to call it." That's what you got, because you've navigated or you've stubbed your toe, whatever the case with your crossovers, and and it's on you guys to to win, because that's how it comes. November, brother, is going to be I – mean, this this will be fascinating. This These first six we've talked about, fascinating. What do you do against Illinois? What do you do against Oklahoma? How do you respond with whatever the result is, your final two, road and home – then here comes Michigan, you sneak in Purdue, here's Ohio State, and then boom, boom, boom. You've got uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. I mean, it. It the finish is, is going to be fun. The start could be fun. And you know what, you've heard a couple of different Husker fans, one that disagrees with the anonymity card on a coach assessing Nebraska football, and, and you've had... That's why folks are talking hot. See, that's why folks are questioning direction of the program. And it's, it's OK to bring up connection. You know, something's not matching up inside the program. They've been uh, strength and conditioned elitely, at elite level. You see how big and strong and, and physical they are. You just got to settle to the identity point. and we talk about this every year, and it's not a new script identity-wise, Elijah. It just isn't, but it, it's okay to to do something different. And what what have we kind of noticed about Coach Frost's commentary here? What I've read into is, all right, man, we've been in this league three years. Um, we need different body types. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need different body types on the offensive line and, and wide receiver. You know, if you're going to change body types, it's okay to go to more of a ground and pound or downhill run attack versus what you were killing folks with because you got 90 plays. There's been some admissions of, all right, man, we've had to to kind of gauge our our neighborhood here and see what uh, see what we need out on the front porch.
0: And I mean, whenever you're taking over a, a program like Nebraska that's been down in the dumps for the past couple years, sometimes you need a couple years of relationship building with with the top talent. I mean, like look how long they were they were after Thomas Fedoni. It took them time to to get Thomas Fedoni into the boat. And uh, the the first recruiting class that Scott Frost had here was terrible. Let's let's be honest. Looking back in hindsight, what 75 percent of them are gone now. <laughs> Something ridiculous like that. So what's not matching up is the fact that Scott Frost was not bringing in talent that was going to be able to succeed in the Big Ten. Uh, does he have that now? I think personally, on paper, um, they're closer. Hmm? They're a lot closer. And the question is, do they have the, the confidence? Can they? Can they uh, just have the confidence to go out there and, and believe in themselves and go get a win? You, you got to go game. do it.
2: They've not done it, and and they, and through no fault of their own, with. The last three seasons, it's it's. I mean, yeah, you got to go make plays, but it's you also got to be coached to be in position to do it too. It's two way street, is what I'm saying between coaching and player execution and being ready for that moment, right? And there's been too many that have slipped away. So
0: go do it. Yeah, based on the on the preparation, what I've been telling my friends, I think it's my first time saying this on the radio, but I'll put it out there now. Is I think Nebraska is. More likely to exceed expectations this year than fall short of expectations, just based on the pure talent that Nebraska has brought in here, uh, and, and what people have been telling us about the guys that they have here in Omar Manning, Samari Toure, uh, what Adrian is uh, is doing in his offseason conditioning program, the guys on defense that maybe not didn't get as much play time last year as they would have liked. They they went to work this offseason. These are all the things. I'm hearing, and I think it's more likely that if Nebraska can just find some confidence, they're more likely to exceed the expectations, which I would say, what, the fan base's expectations for the year are 6-6? and
2: Well, that at a minimum, but back to headspace and confidence, that's got to kind of roll downhill. It's got to come from your head coach. Mm. It's got to come from the situation, and and you have help. It doesn't have to all be on you as head coach. Yeah, it's, it's your program. The buck stops with you. But you've got guys that that have done well in their careers, specifically uh, Coach Lubick, who we'll hear from tomorrow. But he's called a lot of plays, put a lot of game plans together. Not that you haven't or can't in your career, but sometimes two heads are better than one. And listen, find a running back. (laughs) I think you have God gifted talent on the offensive line and just run away and hit somebody. Make it seven yard gains in fourth down. You know, win in time. Uh, Rick Kaczynski on the way. Tuesdays with Kaz next.
1: And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Yes! That's Awesome!
2: Back to it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's time for Tuesdays with Kaz. We say hi to defensive line coach in Nebraska and Iowa, Rick Kaczynski. Kaz, what's good? Uh, football's around the corner. How are you?
6: Hey, bud. How you doing, man? Yeah, right around the corner. Getting started. The uh, games will be here before we know it. It's a good thing, man. But a uh, lot, lot going on in the uh, – evolution of college football these days a little too much at one time in my opinion so uh <laughs> be interesting to see how this all gonna
2: play out well there, there's a lot we'll get to in a moment but uh have you ever witnessed uh somebody get duct taped into their airline seat
6: no but i gotta admit i probably would need the guy in his uh temple if uh if i was there too so he needed uh I think that guy deserves what
2: he got. I gotta be honest with you. No, you got this passenger that the 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 uh the scene floating around social media, some hammered twenty two year old talking about his daddy's bankroll and uh yeah. enough's enough and it came it was the old Wolf of Wall Street scene. <laughs> Instead of
6: uh Yeah no nobody nobody wants to hear some some uh some uh, some kid talk about how uh, how rich his dad is so mm-hmm. You know, that kind of is uh, a great, great lesson for the for the lad.
2: Uh, so, it you know, sucks. Get, they suspended. They suspended the crew, though. Get what you deserve. They suspended what the crew. That, they suspended the crew for duct taping him. Uh, a, I know it's unbelievable, unbelievable. But that's the world
6: we're living in, man. You know.
2: Yeah. The, yeah.
6: Uh, and what can you do? Kaz, it's crazy
2: well, on playing these days. Oh, at least hopefully your, your flight will take off, you know. Uh, it's, it's been interesting there the last couple of weeks with uh, with travel. But, Coach, I, I want to get your take here, Kaz, on uh, just some red zone defense. And, and the, the thing is, situational football, it's always been extremely important. And aside from not letting a team get to the red zone, you know what? What were you stressing to your guys uh, defensively when when that uh, that opportunity came up uh, for a defense to kind of bow up? And I think of some great moments against Michigan, against Sparty, against Northwestern, uh, where the the offense of the other teams knocking on the door, and it's either three or no points or a blocked field goal. Huge, obviously, shot in the arm, momentum wise. And and it keeps a tight game uh, still in favor of of Nebraska and Iowa at those times. But you know, take me through um, the confidence you instill, and then working guys to to just fly fly to the football and, and know their assignment, but also play free.
6: Yeah, well, I think a big part of it, Smitty, really is is the work you put in during the week and the film work. Um, you know, everybody's responsible for. Certain sections uh, of the field of play, when you're when you're doing scouting reports and things like that, and that red zone is always something that uh, you know we did as a staff, um, and uh, you know whether I was at Iowa with with Norm and Phil, and or with Bo and JP at Nebraska, you know we spent a lot of time with that. So a big part is knowing people's tendencies once they get into that area. Um, everybody has. A sequence to how they call plays and into and what they do once they get into the red zone. So the big part of it is just breaking it down and anticipating uh, what teams do. A lot of teams, quite frankly, they do the same thing until they get inside the ten. So, you know, from the twenty on in until the to the eleven, you're just playing your normal defense. And and a big part of that is is not is breaking it down for the players where they understand that not necessarily what the coaches know it's not what we know it's what those guys know and uh I think what our guys did a really, really good job of being aware of the situation, knowing the formations and anticipating what's coming and and you can roll the dice a little bit, you can gamble a little bit more you got a you got a shorter field down there, so you can pressure a little bit more guys don't have to cover. Uh, and man quite as long, so mm-hmm. you can heat people up, you can pressure people, but the big part of that is, is executing that. But red zone, red zone for us, was something that we started to break down on Monday, I'm sorry, on Sunday night, and uh, practicing it on Monday. And each each coach responsible for an area, talking about what this team likes to do. So you get what you emphasize Mm -hmm. in in any sport, in anything, whether, you you know, you're coaches or teachers. So you're going to get what you emphasize. So you obviously emphasize not like, Hey, that's more important than, than one area of the field. But you understand when you get down there, you got to keep them, got to keep them out of the end zone. So uh, our guys did a really good job of that. I thought at, uh, at, at Nebraska and, uh, in Iowa, for sure. But uh, a big part of that, Schmitty, is just uh, you know give credit to the players. Yeah. When you have good players, they make it look really good. And when you talk about those games, you know Eric Martin against Michigan, um, Vincent Valentine against Michigan, you know just blowing things up. Um, you know Randy against Northwestern. Yeah, I think and I remember Miami got down there early on when it was a tight game in 2014, I think we had a sack and then they ran a draw and Malik had a tackle for a loss. One of the loudest and hardest hits I've, I've ever seen one of those you've seen on the high on the, uh, you can hear from the sideline and the place just went nuts. And it's just amazing how a play like that can just change the momentum and the confidence of of a defense down there. So, uh, a lot of it has to do with the preparation, but, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with having really good players making you look good
2: also. Rick Kaczynski is with us Hale Varsity Radio. Tuesdays with Kaz, uh, a lot of talk about experience uh, for this Nebraska 2021 team and uh, a lot of ball they played together and uh, that, that that mental jump for, for Saturdays, what you're doing uh, Monday through Friday to, to translate it to Saturdays and hoping you do it versus getting it done and you know as a coach, you can look at the young guys or guys that maybe are young from an experience standpoint, but maybe have been in the program a while and and guys learn at different paces and there's different levels of trust, you know, with, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, that 2014 D line and that 2013 D line, because they, they were the same. And uh, it, 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 with your, uh, with your level of trust in those guys, because they had a lot of young pups that were playing good ball, but uh, they still had to, to prove to themselves and, and prove to you that they were ready come game time. What's that like for you to to kind of mesh that trust uh, together? Where go out on the field, do your job. We know you've got the ability to do it, but you, you got to prove it. Versus some mistakes that may happen. That that kind of patience you got to have.
6: Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> You know, there wasn't a whole lot of patience. You know, really, what you have to do as a coach, if if a guy is physically ready to play, um, you know, it's your job to get him mentally ready to play. And then you do what you got to do from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't ever coach down to the group. Okay. Um, you can't you can't coach the young guys a certain way and the older guys the better in a certain way. You have the same expectations. You know, I was... You know, you know, played for coaches, and the way I coached was if you lower the expectations, um, people will meet them. So I expected, um, and I demanded that whether you were fourth or fifth year in the program, you were a freshman, you needed to know, you needed to have the knowledge. Um, and you know that's X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what you can't, what you can't. Uh, replace is the game day experience you know you can't replicate running running out of you know in front of ninety thousand people in a tunnel you know way game you know with a with a twenty two year old guy and you're playing high school football you know six months earlier you know you can't replicate that but but that's why you coach hard in practice mm-hmm. that's why you set standards that's why you demand the discipline that it takes to get on the field. But there's no way that I was going to teach a freshman the game differently than I was going to teach a um, a veteran. Mm-hmm. But when you do a good good enough job teaching, what helps you is these veterans help you. The veterans become the coaches. They understand what to expect. They know what's going to be tolerated. You know, it's a little bit easier coming from a peer. You know, peers recognize when a guy has something special. You know, it didn't take long for people to realize when Malik walked on campus. Hey, this dude's pretty good. Right, I'm gonna take him under my wing. Let me don't do what I did. This is what you need to do. This will make you better. Don't make that mistake. Guys are gonna make mistakes, absolutely on the field. But you know that that trust, you know that that trust comes putting them into the fire and see how they respond. And you know how they respond when they know when they have the knowledge of the the offense of the formations of the situation of the backfield sets and they can anticipate and play fast. They're going to make less mistakes because there's no way in in hell you can line up and call call a defense or call a pressure and get the right guys on the field. You know, for the de- to have eleven guys you can trust by pulling one guy out who knows a little bit of the defense. Mm-hmm. pulling another guy out that knows a little bit of the defense and putting this guy in who might not be as dynamic. Let me tell you, if you got a guy who can make plays, it's your job as a coach to make sure he's ready to go on Saturday. So I never, never, ever used uh, being young as an excuse. If they're ready to go physically and mentally, it was my job to get them ready to go. My job to teach them the defense. It was my job to put them in position to be successful technique-wise and also assignment-wise. So, you know, I I never, ever, ever changed the way I coach. And I think that's why a lot of the guys um, that I had the fortune of coaching in the different systems play a lot of football long past their college years. Mm -hmm. Because when you go to the NFL, they ain't teaching a rookie. It's the rookie's job to learn the defense if they want to play. Yeah, nobody's sitting with you and saying, oh, we'll take your time. Now, you, you either you are or you aren't. And if you are, and you've got to get that guy ready to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you recognize talent and you recognize physical ability, all right, look at Randy Gregory. <laughs> I mean, you know, was I going to it was my job to make sure he knew the defense, okay? Got paid a lot of money to make sure he... I was going to figure it out. We were going to figure it out. Because how do you teach a... how do you keep a guy off the field at that style? That, it, that is that dynamic. So when I hear coaches talk about, you know, algebra two or calculus or teaching a kid this or, you know, now you got veterans, That, that to me that's all BS. That's built-in excuses. You get it done and you figure it out. If you've got a good player, it's your job to get him on the field. It's your job to make sure he's successful. That's how I was taught. That's how I always coached. That's the responsibility. That's the onus is on the coach to get the players ready.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taught pre-teen Swedish boy.
2: Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes, Rick Kaczynski here talking college realignment.
6: I was fortunate. I worked for some great head coaches and played for a great head coach. Never blame the players. Never. It's your job. I don't want any players aren't dumb. Don't tell me they can't learn it. If you lower the expectations, they'll they'll meet them. If you demand, all right, guys want discipline. I just had this talk with Malik. We were texting yesterday. Guys want discipline. They want That's what they want. They want guidance. They want to be held accountable. They want that, you know, no matter what level, whether it's eight-year-old football or, or whether it's the NFL. Guys want that. It's up to the coach. And the players know what the coach is putting into them. They know it. They know it. They might not know it at first, but the players know. Players can read coaches. They know if it's about the coach or if it's about the player success. That's the great thing about football. On both ends of it, player coach, it's the ultimate exposure game.
2: Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Let's dive into the old conference realignment. Uh, Somebody uh, in SEC land throwing out a grenade yesterday about Clemson and FSU perhaps seeking membership. I don't know that Clemson would. Clemson's great and they got it made right now. Florida State, they're trying to kind of climb back up and they've been through Uh, a number of coaches and and changes I can see the SEC wanting to add those two but I don't know that that if you're Clemson or Florida State yeah well Clemson specifically and I know they're kind of near where you're at there's no way they jump to a what what sense would that make Cass for them to have to go navigate through the SEC East or SEC West to get where they're already going no and
6: that goes back I mean that conversation goes back to when coach Ford was here Okay. In the uh back in the seventies. I mean they wanted to, they wanted to join the SEC and 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 uh Coach Ford told them they're crazy. I mean and you know, I have the I have the fortune of being around him uh a lot over the over the last few years and and you know, like he says, you can roll the ball out and win ten. You know, when he was there, when they played, you know, ten, eleven games a year, you roll the ball out and win nine. Because you got be, you gotta be a fool to join the, uh, join the SEC. And then also too, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, when you look at the ACC. And the SEC, the brand identity, ACC, for private schools, I think. You know, it's a different type of conference. You don't have the big schools like you do in the SEC. I mean, they're a little bit behind, you know, Swat. I think it was Swafford before he left. People always look at it, you know, keeping conferences together where people can't leave. Um, but it's also where the ACC put together where they can't kick anybody out either. You know, being down here, That I think Clemson came out, the university came out. They had a, a spokesperson come out and say, hey. That's all BS. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not true. Clemson's not reaching out to anybody. I can promise you that. Clemson's a place that people reach out to them. If that happens, I can't, I can't imagine it happening. Plus, also, uh, you know, the grant right. For example, if Clemson were to leave, if Clemson were to leave after, um, after the 21 season, the SEC would owe the ACC $390 million. Wow. That ain't happening. Yeah. So, the, the, the grant of right goes through. Uh, 2035 so um, you know i think would make sense right now is is them to take a run at notre dame you know notre dame's nbc contract is coming up and and that's peanuts that pays absolutely nothing that i think that's 15 million a year um so i think with the acc what would make sense if notre dame would do this and you know try to pull notre dame in parlay some of that uh, NBC money but NBC's got to step up to the plate or, or Notre Dame will definitely be looking for a uh, a new network 15, 15 mil that's, uh, that's pocket change in, in the world we're living in Well, in these days so uh, sure. I think what you'll see with, with Clemson and you'll see with the ACC I mean and it's natural obviously it, it, you look at this past year with Notre Dame and, and Clemson Notre Dame and the ACC. It was it was kind of a natural fit. All the other sports, with the exception of football, are are in the ACC already. So I, I think that's what the ACC is kind of concentrating on right now. But I would be I would be absolutely 100% shocked if if Clemson were to uh, or Florida State would move move over to the SEC.
2: Has a thought on a report out by the Athletic about uh, the Pac-12 and Big 12 uh, having some some chats. Don't know if it was coffee. Don't know if it was tea. Don't know if it was uh, an old fashioned. But uh, they're just <laughs> just chatting. So and I'm wondering if it's not about completely merging. I wonder if it's well if if our big teams get rated and your two got rated. Do you want to start dating? Um,
6: Gosh, well, Schmitty, I think that's what, that's what's crazy right yeah. now is is you got so many major things happening at one time, and it's unprecedented in, in college football. I mean, you're kind of like a, uh, a ship without a captain right now. You're just kind of floating in between the name, image, and likeness, uh, the conference realignment, the playoffs. I mean, that, those are three, the playoff expansion. you got three major deals going on that are going to affect the, the, the game. I mean, you now this isn't uh, you know down with the horns fifteen yard penalty. I mean, the, these are these are actions that are happening that are going to change the the game during our lifetime. Um, so you know and when those things happen, you're going to hear all kind of rumors and, until like Clemson, that's why I know when Clemson comes out and says through a university paid spokesman, we didn't reach out. I believe it. You know all this other stuff right now with their hit pieces, and I understand them. I, I read it too, um, but uh, just like Texas and Oklahoma kept a secret for for about a year, this just didn't happen over a three four week period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I guarantee people have been talking for a long long time. There's all kinds of scenarios out there, and ultimately it's it, it's gonna it's gonna come down to money, but. You know, my opinion, I think, gosh, I would love to see the Big Ten expand out west. To me, that makes more sense than a Big 12 and a Pac-12 expansion. You know, to me, take the Big Ten and, you know, go get Oregon, go get Washington, go get Southern Cal, um, go get Stanford, let's go Big Ten. And, uh, you know, then who cares what those other guys do, but... Man, there's just a lot, lot happened, a lot to take in, especially at the beginning of football season. We're talking about everything but football, and I, I hope this stuff doesn't take away from the product on the field or how the, how the product is going to be covered. Um, distraction, because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it'll be a distraction to the players, but I just think that right now, you know, you have to start a camp, and all everybody's talking about is all these things that are happening off the field. That um, that really have uh, no effect of the upcoming season. So it'll interesting times, um, but uh, I think that just kind of shows you how dead the NCAA is right now. Uh, Great Sankey's kind of taking the bull by the horns, and I uh, wouldn't be surprised if you know Barry's behind the scenes and some other power players. I, I think there's a lot of things going on right now that uh, that people don't know about that they don't want you to know about, but. There are going to be some major things happening here in the in the next year of college football, I believe, and I, and I think it's I think it's I think it's going to be great. I think people will benefit. I just think right now there's so much to take in, there's so much uncertain. Man, it's it's just confusing for everybody. But I think when it's all said and done, what I like about this right now, you got football people, you got athletic people you know, making decisions, I think, right now. You know, you don't have Mark Emmert making a a decision that affects Binghamton and Alabama in the same way, right? We're starting to get a little bit separation. Everybody's treated equally, uh, but not everybody's treated the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where Sankey's coming in, and these players and these athletic directors, you know, it is big business, and
1: they understand that. Miss us? Come here, brother.
5: Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real
1: thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at halevarsity. the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Settle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Final thought here as we wind down a Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski on Hale Bar City Radio, and uh, last thought here from Kaz on who's going to be making the calls here, the input from conference realignment.
6: Let's let people make decisions that have been in the arena, that understand how to make these decisions without just reading uh, a notebook of notes and bullet points on uh, how much money each conference is making and what rules we should have and what rules we shouldn't. So I think that's the direction we're going and that's about all I know right now, about the same as you, Schmitty, which isn't much. I know I don't like old fashions, but I got a feeling you do.
2: Well, uh I'll drink one, Kaz, especially if you're buying. So <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, I won't buy one. But if you're buying, I'll never turn down a free
2: drink. But, well, uh, I will. I will get you two. one. I will get if you I one. If I can make a request, it, it, it wouldn't be an old fashioned I would. So I not would, too many people know to make them either. Well, not right. I mean, Don Draper, and that's about it. I mean, uh, there you go. Yeah, well, we'll that's, just why, get, that's why.
6: That's you just go straight bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just just get, make it. Make
2: it easy. Just give me a little ice. Uh, there we go. Rick Kozinski <laughs> with us. Kaz, you're awesome. It was fun to spend some time today. Thanks for a few minutes. Hi, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Gotta love Kaz. Love our Tuesdays with Kaz. Good stuff from him. So we have found the elusive Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson, our Chicago correspondent. He'll be in tomorrow. Phone issues. We won't get into Android versus Apple uh, because, well... (laughs) he may not like that. Good stuff today. Awesome to get uh, caught up with Mitch Sherman. And then I love your phone calls. Plenty of email to get into tomorrow. So we'll do that. Plenty of thoughts from Coach Lubick tomorrow as first part of practice is open in the morning. And then uh, Coach Austin and Coach Lubick uh, both tomorrow. And uh, we'll uh, hear from them. And uh, Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart. I uh, loaded up for you on a Wednesday. So, today's a, a, an odd day for me. Um dad, my my father uh would have been 71 today a year ago. He made the the biggest plate of ribs with some jalapeno uh, as we celebrated. Uh so we are going to celebrate tonight in his honor, getting together with my mother and uh, my dad, uh, my wife and son and my nephews. You know, are going to be over and uh, well, dad's still paying for it <laughs> is what I can smile about. But uh, we love you, Joe Papa and miss you, bud. And happy heavenly birthday. So that's uh, it's been on my mind a lot, especially with this football season coming up and last year. But uh, we're thinking about him. And thanks to so many of you who've reached out on social media to remember my dad. And I had to post a picture of him and he did this. We talk about fan day. He got a crazy picture of him going cross-eyed. This is pre-Miller Lite, I promise you. Because uh, the the joke with his softball buddies was that he was the the long lost twin of a throwback linebacker called Mike Knox. There was some 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 you know photography done with both of them. So. That's out on social media. Give Elijah a follow at Herbal Essence, uh, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Give us a rating. Tell us what you think of the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio, and uh, good stuff. Closer to camp tomorrow, the offensive side of the ball speaks. We're back at it at four with Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.